just picking you some flowers. And still do that. I'm not out of date, am I? Honky Tonk Men, a double feature podcast where we are going through the directorial filmography of Clint Eastwood. My name's Ethan. I'm Jake. And we are the Honky Tonk Men. That's right. We thought we would uh, do a little intro for the whole series here, um, explain what the podcast is and what it's about, why we're doing it. Um, And first off, I'll start with a quote that you can find in uh, the biography of Clint Eastwood, American Rebel. It says, uh, The roles that Eastwood has played in the films that he has directed cannot be disentangled from the nature of the American culture of the last quarter century, its fantasies and its realities. And I think this quote gets at so much of what me and Jake find interesting about Clint Eastwood. Um... Clint Eastwood has been many things in his career, um, but one of the most important things from a historical perspective is Clint Eastwood embodies an image of what America is, and even more interestingly, he's very much aware of the fact that he embodies this image, especially in the second half of his filmography, and that's something that Jake and I have spent uh, many, many hours talking about on our own, and we figured you know what, let's talk about this in podcast form. That's what everyone else does. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I I think another thing that's interesting to me about him as an icon is that for most people, it kind of just seems to, like, basically stop at, like, Dirty Harry. He's just, like, the man with no name and Dirty Harry. And then he's got this whole just, like, you know, another 40 years of incredible work that, I mean, people see and people love. I mean, I guess Unforgiven is like definitely in the culture as well. But like, yeah, it seems like so much of his stuff is just like kind of off the radar as far as like iconography. Yeah, I mean, uh, one of the viewings that reignited my interest in Clint Eastwood uh, was when Richard Jewell was playing in theaters and you know, as with probably the last couple of Clint Eastwood movies, if you go see a Clint Eastwood movie in a movie theater, it's going to be, you know, maybe you're an elderly person listening to this, but I was not when I went to go see this. And uh-huh. I went there and it was me and then a bunch of people who, you know, are retired hanging out with their old buddy Clint. And I think there deserves to be a bigger conversation about who, in my opinion, is one of the most interesting artists that America has ever produced. Yeah. So, um, yeah, where did your relationship with Clint Eastwood start? Well, Jake, um, (laughs) no, uh, my, my relationship with Clint Eastwood, for me, Clint Eastwood is like, uh, you know, he's, he's pre-programmed into the world for me. Like, I feel like I came into the world and Clint Eastwood is an important figure. There was never a time when I learned about Clint Eastwood. It was like, he's one of the guys. He's one of the important movie guys. And if you're a kid who cares about movies, then you're sort of uh, immediately uh, under the impression that to 
think about what movies are or what is cool in movies, you're going to be thinking about Clint Eastwood. So I always had an interest in Clint Eastwood, um, went to go see the ones in theaters that I could when I was a kid. But as I became an adult, you know, you start to sort of, uh, like for me personally, it was like, I don't really care about this sort of ultra macho, you know, embodiment of masculinity Mm. or whatever. I didn't think about it much until, um, when Richard Jewell came out and I went and saw it and I was kind of floored by what it was doing, uh, with ideas of masculinity, with ideas of what it means to be an American, um, that were interesting enough to me to where I was like, wait, is this dude's whole filmography actually really like this? And so it kind of pushed me back into it. And it's been one of the most exciting discoveries of, you know, I'd say my big, you know, cinephile years, which have probably been like the last five years or so of really getting into movies. Um, mm. It's it's easily one of the most interesting things I've gotten into. What's yours? Yeah. And the, yeah, for me, I'm, I mean, it was the same. Like, yeah, Clint Eastwood is just, I mean, synonymous with the American male. He kind of picked up where John Wayne left off and then no one's kind of picked it up since, since Clint is still going along. But yeah, when I was a kid, I was just like, well, John Wayne, Clint Eastwood Westerns, that's like my grandpa shit. Like, fuck that shit. (laughs) I have no interest in it at all. I did see Gran Torino when it came out and just like, I was like, this movie's fucking hilarious. (laughs) It's just, I mean, yeah, he looks so fucking old then and he's still doing it now, which is crazy, but it's just, yeah, I mean, this old fucking American icon being a tough guy again one last time. Trying to think when I did, decided to, like, okay, I got to check this guy out. I mean, it's just, yeah, film Twitter, just people, like, yeah, really going for Clint Eastwood. I guess it was probably around the time of Richard Jewell as well, but I did not see that. <clears throat> Until later, I just like kind of started at the beginning, I think, with uh, Outlaw Josie Wales. And it was like, oh, yeah, I mean, this is a fucking, this is a great American movie. I think also I got into uh, John Ford first, which was like yeah. another thing. Obviously, those John Wayne Westerns that like I was so put off to when I was younger. And then he's like, John Ford's my favorite filmmaker of all time now, probably. So getting into that, and I was just like, okay, well, John Wayne's kind of sick with it, so let's check out Clint Eastwood. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's there's just no one else like him in American film, someone who's, like, as big of a movie star as they are an artist. Mm-hmm. And just, like, yeah, I mean, the way he goes about being an artist where he basically just, like, pretends like he's not an artist, he's just, like... I'm just, this is just my job and I'm, yeah. you know, I'm making Clint Eastwood movies for the people. Yeah, I think that's totally true. And like, he's a guy that he, he's probably the only person who has a, been able to do anything like that, where he can spend, you know, 50 years saying, oh, I don't really think about, you know, what I'm doing, you know, with these movies. It's just, if you read any interviews with Clint Eastwood, you're going to find him saying, oh, it just depends on the story, et cetera, et cetera. But if you watch these movies, um, especially if you're sort of keyed into, you know, any sort of dialogue they could be having with other Clint Eastwood movies or with Clint Eastwood's personal life, it's like these are deeply personal films, especially the films that he's made in the last 20 years. Yeah. Um, 
Like if you, if, and that's, and that's, I think been the key for me to getting back into the, the older stuff is honestly, um, films like 1517 to Paris, which obviously in the, uh, broader discourse is not a well-respected movie. I find to be one of the most interesting films made and for the last 10 years or a film like the mule, which is so explicitly about Clint Eastwood's own personal failings and his own family mm. life. Like these are, that's, that's pretty much exactly what I'm looking for from an artist. And he just happens to also be, uh, a bankable movie star. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I think it really, yeah, I mean, it's these movies that were ignored by the public that once you see them, you're like, oh, yeah, like, it's very obvious. I mean, something like White Hunter, Black Heart, which, yeah. like, I don't think most people's grandpas, like, saw that one. It just, like, kind of came and went. And you watch that and you're like, oh, yeah, I mean, like, this guy is fucking, like, yeah, I mean, he is in conversation with, like, John Ford and the yeah. great American artists, but... Yeah, it's just like it's weird. Some of them hit, and some of them are obviously like just yeah, they're only for the uh, the French film critics, right? Which is, I mean, I think we're. Uh, I appreciate. I'd rather be in their lineage as far as reception of uh, Clint Eastwood than the the haters who think he uh, forgot how to make a movie uh, in the mm-hmm. last couple decades of his life. Um, so Jake, uh, there's an interview with John Luke Goddard that you might've even sent it to me the first time, but I remember you saying one time that it was like one of the best definitions of autorism that you've ever heard. Like, and I think it connects so much to what we like about Clint Eastwood. You want to talk about that? Yeah, it's, uh, it's John Luke Goddard on the, um, Dick Cavett show and, uh, Dick Cavett is kind of like, kind of like busting his balls about autorism and he's like, really like Alfred Hitchcock isn't that guy just like (laughs) make thrillers which is like hilarious to think that like even in 1980 like someone would be like questioning like the artistry of uh Alfred Hitchcock but then he moves on to Jerry Lewis and like you know everyone's like ha 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 Jerry Lewis the French love Jerry Lewis and he's like you really love Jerry Lewis and he's like talking about the geometry of his shots and everything he's like okay but like do you think he's funny and he goes oh yes I I think he's funny. Even when he's not funny, it's more funny. And I'm like, yeah, that's the greatest definition of auteurism of all times. Like, you get to a point with an artist where even their failures or missteps become just like just as interesting as their home runs. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, I mean, that's why we want to watch every single movie he made for this. Yeah. And I think we'll be able to get deeper into that and hopefully find new things as we pair them with other films. I mean, Mm -hmm. that, that quote, as you were talking about it, reminded me of a very similar quote from Douglas Sirk where he's like, you know, there's popular films and unpopular films. There's well-made films and poorly made films. And he's like, I don't really have interest in any of that. What I care is that a film has personality. And I think that one thing you have to say about Clint Eastwood's filmography is they're dripping with his personality and that mm-hmm. he is he is thinking about what it means to be Clint Eastwood with nearly every picture that he makes. So hopefully we'll be able to talk more about what makes him interesting as an artist, as a person, and uh, find out, I mean, honestly, laugh at all the times when it's not funny 
Yeah. Um, because he's, he is, I mean, he's one of the ultimate, like, even when it's not funny, it's funny guys. Yeah. I think another thing that really draws me to him is, uh, just the contradictions in his film. Cause I mean, yeah, what I didn't get, yeah. I mean, part of the reason I was so turned off from him is because he, obviously he's like a right wing icon and he's, you know, publicly a libertarian, but I can't. So there's some quote somebody said once that was like, well, it's kind of impossible to actually make conservative reactionary art because the tenets of conservatism are just don't gel with art. So like any conservative artist who's worth their salt actually isn't making conservative art because art is about contradiction and it's about challenging your beliefs. And I think that's something that he does in every movie where it's just like he's wrestling with, you know, what he believes. And there's just a humanism in his films that I think goes against the what most uh, libertarians would believe about the world. Right. I mean, you know, like you said, he's publicly on the record as a libertarian, um, which in the 2000s, weirdly, before the whole like chair thing, you know, which we hope to not really reference ever again mm. on this podcast. <laughs> um, he, you know, there's, you can find clips of him on Ellen being like, of course, I think people can get gay married. I don't care what you do. <laughs> and so that made him like, you know, sort of respectable, I guess, in Hollywood spaces. But obviously in recent years, there's been more of a push like online to sort of like talk about the politics of a film which is you know i think absolutely necessary mm -hmm. and important to bring that into conversation but what's maybe been lost with a lot of people is just what you're talking about that while clint may hold to uh reactionary beliefs um he can't really stay he can't really make purely conservative films because to be conservative is to sort of like seek some like you know, non-contradiction like you're talking about and a point of stasis. Mm -hmm. And there's really there's really not that in Clint Eastwood. He's always looking for something. Um, he's too interested in the world to uh, sort of close himself off in those ways. And I also think that leads to him, you know, whether he knows it or not, that's not really important. But it leads to him making sometimes really interesting, relatively, uh, you know, in comparison with a lot of other American films, relatively revolutionary films yeah. um, that really question, um, you know, the American status quo, whether it be um, with policing, military, um, any things that are typically associated with being, you know, right wing. I think you can't really draw a clear picture of Clint being some, uh, oh yeah, I sign off on all that stuff. I think it's, you'd be, you'd have to not watch the films to have that impression. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think at the end of the day, he just, he believes in people yeah. over organizations or governments or mm -hmm. yeah, police. He just, I mean, I think he's like, he wants a small government because he actually believes that like people will help each other out. Yeah. And which is like, you know, maybe you could say it's naive, but, you know, the movies end up the things that they're, you know, going after a lot of the times end up being the same things that people like us would go after, such as, you know, you know, the state's involvement with the media or the you know, police apparatus. Yeah. Or just, you know, violence. <laughs> right. Um, I think that, 
you know, I think as we get into the filmography, we'll find more and more reasons to uh, stay in the positions that we currently have about Clint Eastwood. I don't, I, I, you know, um, we're going to keep these questions will keep coming up. And I think if you kind of have an open mind, maybe you'll come to uh, our side of how we see it. And if you don't, maybe just take it as a, you know, sort of a, what do they call it? What is it? Well, if, maybe, maybe you can enjoy it at the level of fan fiction about Clint Eastwood. If you don't. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, uh, that's, that's all I want to say to introduce the podcast. Yeah. How about you? Oh, well also, if you don't like Clint Eastwood, we're going to be talking about uh, a bunch of other movies. So stick yeah. around, you know, we'll be pairing it with uh, something every week. But uh, if you don't like Clint Eastwood, uh, get your brain checked. <laughs> this movie's fucking rock. <laughs> All right, that's uh, Honky Tonk Men signing off with our intro. Uh, let's talk about uh, Play Misty for me. And Roman Polanski's the tenant. I'm not out of date, am I? <laughs>